Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania. My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We would love for you to come worship with us. Our service starts at 10.15 a.m. I pray that this podcast and these sermons will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see us all here. Unfrozen, <laughs> not covered in salt. I feel like salt is everywhere right now. It's everywhere. It's all over the floor of the house, trying to keep Isaac from putting it in his mouth. It's, it's awful. Um, let me just uh, open the sermon with a, just a brief word of prayer. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee. And worshipfully, worthily magnify thy holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we have a really interesting selection. Well, I think they're all interesting. But we have a, an interest, interesting selection of texts this morning. Genesis, Acts, and the Gospel according to St. Mark. And all highlighting some pretty important Christian themes. And I chose this from these readings instead of about the wise men. Because well, I wanted to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and the second reason is a lot of times... A lot of sermons that I've heard or, or, or read, blogs about online, is, is they talk about the kings coming to see Jesus. And oftentimes I've, I've noticed that preaching on the three kings has turned into sort of like an act of political demonstration, I guess, as it were, from the pulpit. And so in today's era, politicalization of pretty much everything is, is really divided our society. So I kind of wanted to avoid that today. And I wanted to talk about something a little bit more important I think this is the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. But if you notice with the songs that we sang about the stars guiding them and the lights, we're seeing today the origins, as it were, of, of the light of the star that led the wise men. So in Genesis 1, chapter 1, well, 1, chapter 1, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. I like how that translation said, formless and void. In, in Hebrew, it's, uh, I think it's tohu vabohu. And uh, there's a, a Hebrew scholar named Robert Alter. He said in a lecture a while back that we lose sometimes the, the beautiful alliteration of the language or the rhythmic nature of, of biblical languages translating them in English. But formless void, without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So in this text, brothers and sisters, we see outlined the beginning of the creation narrative in Genesis, the first day, as it were. So to get caught up, though, in days being descriptive of large amounts of time versus seven 24-hour periods kind of misses the point here of the Genesis story. So we're not really going to talk about, about that aspect of it. That's not the point of this, of this text What's going on here is something very different. There's an Old Testament scholar named Walton. He notes that what's going on here in the creation story is God is constructing his temple on earth with humanity, which he creates at the culmination of creation, as the priests of his temple. So it's interesting to note here that that language of temple and tabernacle is used of Jesus' sojourn among us, particularly in the Gospel of John. It says the word became 
flesh and dwelt among us, or you could also translate that as tabernacled among us. And I wanted to focus, though, a little bit on the moment where it states that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, where the Spirit was hovering over the waters. We God created, the Spirit was hovering. And we see here creation as a Trinitarian act, right? an act of the Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father creates through the Son in the power of the Spirit. Because St. Paul reminds us that through Jesus, he says in the book of Colossians, all things that have been made were made through him. And so for back then, that's going to be a shocking statement for them because what he's doing, he's ascribing deity. He's ascribing to Jesus acts that only God can accomplish. But let's look at this, a spirit hovering over the face of the waters. What's immediately linked with the spirit hovering over the waters? The creation of light and the separation of light from darkness. So what is this darkness? To start with, here's what the darkness is not. All right? The darkness is not a negative force that existed before the creation of the world. The darkness is not an equal opposite force to God or to the light of God. There, it's not like a cosmic balance or something like that. Notice here that the text doesn't fill in the blanks. It doesn't ascribe the darkness any characteristics. Some theologians note that God is not creating here to fill a void that somehow existed before him. There's something different going on here, particularly with the creation of light and dark and the spirit over the waters. So there's a theologian named uh, Rusty Reno. He said this, the first act of separation, the darkness from the light, should be understood as the triumph of love that God intends from the beginning. There was nothing, and nothing cannot participate in the light of the word that was in the beginning that shines towards its fulfillment, calling into existence all that is for the sake of the divine plan. So he's saying here that this act of separation is the triumph and an act of the love of God. And this resultant separation of the light from the dark, from the movement of the spirit over this primordial waters, is an act of divine love. And so whatever else is created, following after it, is to participate in God's love, God's light, and God's life. And then we see a picture of this with the creation of Adam and Eve in the Imago Dei, right? In the image, in the image of God. So then this darkness is the boundary between being, between light and nothingness. God creates from nothingness and pushes that which is non-being away from himself. So then to reject Christ is to move towards the darkness of unbeing, the darkness of night rather than the movement towards Christ, the light of day. And then in Mark 1, 4 verse 11, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he had come up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. 
So now we move here into Mark's gospel. We read the story of the baptism of Jesus by John the baptizer. And so John, like most characters in Mark, he just appears. Right? It says in verse 4, John appeared. It doesn't say where he came from. Like We don't get this long backstory like we do in the Gospel of Luke. Right? We have the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and the angel appears to Zechariah, and Zechariah doesn't believe, so he can't speak. And you know that whole story, and then the, the baby leaps in the womb of Elizabeth when the Virgin Mary comes around. We don't get any of that background in Mark. He just goes, oh, one day John shows up, and he just starts baptizing people and doing these things. He preached, though, that people need to repent and be baptized after they confess their sins. Now, some people balk at confession. Even sometimes people who don't practice non-sacramental confession, such as us, when we come at the Lord's Day, and we confess, like we did earlier, when we confess our sins together every Sunday. And we see the beginnings of that practiced here, and that practice follows over into the church. John preaches that the one coming after him will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize in the Holy Spirit. And then we have the baptism of Jesus, and we have this link between the baptism of the Spirit and the baptism in the water. The work of the Holy Spirit is bound up with the waters, just as we saw in Genesis 1. So Jesus himself comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And this might be puzzling, because Mark doesn't give any context. So remember in the other Gospels, have you ever read the, the baptism story from some of the other Gospels? Yes? All right, good. Anybody else? Have ever, don't, you don't have to lift your hands. Just uh, maybe not, or, or yes or no. Has anybody ever read the stories of Jesus being baptized in the other Gospels? Yeah, we know, because there's, when Jesus comes, what does John say to him? When Jesus is like, hey, buddy, you need to baptize me, what does John say to him? John's like, me, you want me to baptize you? You need to baptize me. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. This is all part of God's plan. This is the Michael Landsman translation. And, and then John the Baptist is like, I guess. All right, come on in, and well, I guess I'll do it. But we don't get any of that here. We just get John doing it. I, I don't think that Mark doesn't record that. Not just be, I don't think he's trying to economize the story or, 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 to, or to mush it down. But his picture of Jesus, I think it echoes the dramatic after effects of the baptism, and we'll get into that in a second. And also, have you ever wondered, have you ever asked the question to yourself, why did Jesus get baptized? Right? Why does Jesus get baptized? Because what did we just hear in the gospel reading? What is John's baptism for? It's for the forgiveness of sins and repentance. And here Jesus comes along. Has Jesus sinned? No. Has Jesus sinned? Has he done something wrong that he needs John's baptism to cleanse him? No, Jesus is the sinless Lamb of God. If he's the sinless Lamb of God, then why would he allow himself to be baptized? That's a good question. I, and I didn't think of that question or ask, even ask that question or even know to ask that question for many years. And, and it, it's, it's the answer comes from, I think, the, the text, but then also upon some of reflection of the early church fathers. St. Gregory Nazianzen can be of help here when he wrote, Jesus comes for the sake of sanctifying the Jordan, for as he is spirit and flesh, so he consecrates with spirit and water. Essentially, he's saying here, since Jesus was the blameless and sinless one, there's no reason for him to be baptized for the forgiveness of his own sins. 
So the water he's baptized in will become holy and sacred. When sinners then are washed in that water, then it will cleanse them of their sins because of Christ's own immersion in the waters of baptism. He sanctifies it. St. Basil the Great wrote, Thus, if there is some grace in the water, it is not from the nature of water, but from the presence of the Spirit. The same Spirit that descended on Christ as he was baptized in the Jordan somehow sanctifies and makes the waters holy. And notice here also, it says, The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. This should make us think of what we read a few minutes ago when it said, The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And remember what came from that, the separation of the day from the night, light from the darkness. Brothers and sisters, Scripture gives us all of these things. These all go together. It's also worth noting that St. Paul says that baptism unites us with Christ's death and resurrection. Baptism is an enactment of death and life, and Jesus is being baptized here for his death a few years later. Now, we won't have to brave the actual cross ourselves, thank God. But with our baptism, we are participating in Jesus' crucifixion. That's what Paul says. Those who have been baptized have been baptized into his death. He says that in Romans. But then he also says, just as you're being baptized into his life. This is the divine pattern, right? Present from the beginning of time and space. Water and spirit. Those who are born of them, like Jesus says in John 3, will have eternal life. And those who will not will fade to the nothingness of darkness. Now also look here, there's, there's, there's something that's a little subtle. But look here in the gospel reading what happened also. It says in Mark that he saw the heavens being torn open. Torn open. When you go back and you read the other gospels, it'll say the heavens kind of just open. Right? Like it just, ah. <laughs> we kind of imagine, you know, like the... The clouds part, and then the shaft of gentle light falls on Jesus, and the angels are singing, right? That's what I think of. But in Mark, it says something. I think the word, I can't remember now, but I think the word is schizo, which means to tear or to rip. So in Mark, Mark is using very violent language to describe what's going on here. It's almost as if something has taken the heavens and torn them open. I know. (laughs) That was great. That was perfect. The heavens are torn open. The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, at that baptism, at that moment, the Spirit descends, the heavens were torn, ripped apart, separated, because with the descent of the Spirit upon Jesus and his mission, the new creation has begun to break through. And that, brothers and sisters, is our task upon when we rise from the font in the pattern of Jesus, taking the tear between heaven and earth, right? And doing what God has called us to do to whiten it. I almost kind of imagine it like you get a tear on, I have this pair of jeans that I wear sometimes around the house when I'm really lazy and I don't want to wear sweatpants because I feel like if I wear sweatpants all day, every day, it's just not good. So even if I'm just staying home with the baby, like on a Saturday, I will put on my jeans and they have these big tear right here. And that tear... Hadley cannot believe I would do that. I'm sorry, Hadley, to let you down, but I do. But the tear that I have in my knee, I have two. I have a big one here and a little one here. And those, I don't know why I'm being very vulnerable with you about my personal life here. 
But the tear, it didn't just all of a sudden rip, and there was just a giant tear in the hole of my jeans. What happened? It starts off as a little one. I got the knee caught in something, and I went like this, and it made a little bit of a rip. And as I get up, as I sit down, as I walk, maybe I'm being clumsy, and I scrape my knee against the wall, or something else catches on it. What happens to the tear? The tear opens. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and wider and wider until ultimately I got two big tears in my, on my knee. And I kind of get the feeling that's going on here in, in, in the reading is the heavens are being torn open. And so every subsequent baptism that happens in the world, every single person who comes and puts on Christ, who participates in the baptism of Christ, participating in his death and resurrection, that tear that separates heaven from earth that appeared on the baptism of Jesus gets wider and wider and wider and wider. It's the scraping of the knee up against the wall. It's the getting it caught on something and making it tear. It's bending down to pick something up, bending my knee, and the, and the knee popping open more with, with the rip. That's what it is. That's how I see it anyway. Maybe that's helpful for you. I don't know. But as we participate in Christ, as we work with that, as we lead people to Christ, that tear gets open more and more, that rip gets wider and wider, so that one day God's new creation will come through in fullness. And it won't just be for a person here, a person there. The entire cosmos, everything that is, will be renewed and recreated and restored. One of my favorite preachers of the the early church, St. John Chrysostom, he said this, is therefore anyone who takes and recasts a golden statue which has been tarnished by time, smoke, dust, rust, restores it to us thoroughly cleansed and glistening. So too this nature of ours, rusted with the rust of sin, and having gathered much smoke from our faults, and having lost its beauty, which he has from the beginning bestowed upon it for himself, God has taken and cast anew. So he says that we're rusted. Sin kind of like, rusts us and the smoke of whatever it is of life kind of makes us dirty but what god does is the beauty that we had from the beginning god restores that to us he throws it he continues in the waters as into a mold not a mold growing on the ground a mold m-o-u-l-d you cast it to make something He throws us into the waters as a mold. And instead of fire, sends forth the grace of the Spirit, which then brings us forth with much brightness, renewed and made afresh, to rival the beams of the sun, having crushed the old man and having fashioned a new man more brilliant than the former. This is the pattern Jesus is initiating here. And this is the pattern that we are called to walk in, brothers and sisters, as Christians. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose baptism has paved the way for our cleansing from sin and participation in the light and the love of God, be all honor, glory, and power together forever and ever, world without end. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Mike Lansman. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. You know, we have deep roots in the community, and a little bit about our history is fascinating in that we actually the founding of the United States itself. So if you're interested in worship that is 
grounded in tradition, but is also scripturally faithful, come visit us. We just might be the church for you. You can find us online at zionstoneucc.com. And if you have any questions, you can email me, malandsman at gmail.com. Again, God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we hope to have you as a visitor at our church sometime in the future.